You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Hello, welcome to Nick Luck Daily, the show that brings you the latest news, the sharpest insights from around the world of horse racing. It is a new day, that being Thursday the 28th of April, day three of the Punchestown Festival. I'm en route there today. Nick will be back with you tomorrow. Do not fear, he's on his way back. And we'll be touching on that and more. We've got plenty of features coming up for you in this episode. We'll be talking about the Cigaro Stakes yesterday. Brilliant win from Princess Zoe. Uh, was it controversial? We'll be discussing that. Uh, but we do start with Punchestown and that run from Alaho in the Punchestown Gold Cup. Rishi Passat, broadcaster, joins me now. Rishi, wow, what did you make of that? It was a magnificent performance from a horse who obviously has plenty of pace over shorter distances and he was able to go quite a significantly uh, pacey gallop that had everything out of their comfort zone, possibly bar Clanders Ogo, uh, for a significant portion of the race. Just truly majestic from Alaho, imperious, all the adjectives that you could use to describe this eight-year-old. Um, I think Clan de Zobo's run really well, but I mean, he's been beaten 14 lengths by a horse who is still unexposed over this sort of distance. Um, it's very exciting, obviously, what he's done in winning the Punchestown Gold Cup, but it's also very exciting looking to the future and what he may be able to achieve uh, further down the line. I love the way that he he got the other horses out of their comfort zone when you consider the quality of horses behind him. Maybe a few of them are a little bit on the old side, but Clander Zobo was fresh off that fine win at uh, Aintree, you know, the dual gold cup winner in album photo. Kemboy, I thought, ran okay till he made a bad mistake. Fakedu Duri has been in really good form. Galvin was fourth in the, in the gold cup. Um, I think Manila Indo probably had excuses because that clearly wasn't his run but Alaho has thumped them and I can't wait to see what he's going to do next season. Well when he will be just a, a nine-year-old well at the start of the season a rising nine-year-old you know mm. he is only eight um you would suggest that you know a, a King George would suit ideally and then he can rock up to the Cheltenham Festival and, and try and defend his Ryanair crown how exciting. Is it? <laughs> is it that exciting? Uh, Defending the Ryanair crowd. I, <laughs> I know you're being facetious. I want to. Uh, I know you are. I know you are. Um, I I think it would be very exciting where he could turn up for the King George. Um, but going back and winning another Ryanair, uh, personally, and it's entirely an individual thing. Uh, I think the idea of a multiple Ryanair winner doesn't carry the same cachet for me as a Gold Cup winner. Um, and I would love to see Alaho line up in the Gold Cup. I know he's in the same ownership as Aplutard, so there's every likelihood that they'll be kept separately. Right, but in- I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you the owner of the two horses. Congratulations. Apologies, Mrs. Well, thank you. Thank <laughs> no, you. The decision lies with me. What, what, and I, I apologise for people saying, quit talking about the Cheltenham Festival. But that is what makes it so interesting that they have Aplutar, yeah. the Gold Cup winner, and Alaho has proved himself now at the top level over three miles. What do you do if you own both those horses? Do you really run them both in the same race? No. I totally accept the owner's prerogative 
to run the two horses in separate races. I accept that. If that is their wish, I can understand why they would do that. I, I, if I own them, that's what I'd do. Why would I want to run them against each other when conceivably I could win both the Cheltenham Gold Cup and the Ryanair? Possibly, uh, you know, uh, that, that's what's going to happen. But there is, a, there is a little bit of the racing fan in me that wants to see them run against each other. Because that's what it's about. Competition and competition where you're forced into almost running against each other. And bear in mind, there is no two and a half mile grade one uh, for, the, for, for the older horse or the, the, the horses out of Novice Company at the Punchestown Festival. So he has to run in this three mile race, uh, or the Punchestown Gold Cup that he's won. That, there's an example of the fact that we have too many options for these horses at the Cheltenham Festival already, by the way. So... As a racing fan, I want Alaho to line up in the Gold Cup. There's no question about it. But I would understand the decision of the owners to, to duck it. But that's what it would be as a racing fan for me. They would be ducking it. Well, Chris Richardson is with me from um, Cheveley Park Stud to, to reflect on um, that quite brilliant performance. Hugely exciting, Chris. What, how are you feeling watching it? And where were you watching it? Um, I was actually um, in Newmarket. Um... I have um, Mrs. Thompson here on the stud uh, for a fortnight, so we've been looking at all the stock here. But uh, um, um, I spoke to her after the race, and she was hugely excited, as was Richard, uh, Richard Thompson, who, um, you know, in fairness, is, is uh, very much uh, embracing this aspect of his father's legacy, which is which is wonderful, and as you say, a huge performance today. Yeah, you talk about Richard embracing that legacy. I mean, and and. For, for want of a better expression, it's going pretty well, isn't it? You know, that, that performance in the Gold Cup at, at Cheltenham, um, let alone Alaho's Ryanair performance, and, and now a performance over three miles, which was, dare I say it, better than Aplutard. I mean, it, it, was, it was so good to see the way he just galloped on relentlessly. Was there a feeling that he was certain to see it out, or not necessarily? Uh, no, I think there was a, you know, there was, um, I think, you know, from, from our perspective, you know, there was a slight question mark, but in fairness, Willie had said all along that this was something well within his, um, in, within his compass and, and um, uh, how right he was. But I think, I think what was so impressive was, although he didn't necessarily jump quite as well as he has done, um, and for me, I just wonder if he prefers going left-handed, mm. um, but um, the way he was travelling and, and the ride that he was given was was sensational. And I think it was just that just the fact that he, you know, it was a phenomenal field today. I mean, a, 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 you know, a field full of of talent and, and proven quality. You know, two Gold Cup winners, a, a Savills Chase winner, a King George. I mean, it was just a phenomenal race and so exciting to watch. And I think everybody who was watching it, whether here or you know at home or, or um, you know at the races, would have just had a, 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 just a wonderful experience. Um, I'm going to cut cut to the chase. I know this is we're actually doing this the 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 night of the performance, so we are here Wednesday night, a few hours after he's won. But the, but the, the obvious point would be that you have a staying chaser already. Um, there are options I know to keep them apart. But does does this just open up more opportunities for a for a horse like Alaho? And realistically, could something like a Cheltenham Gold Cup be on his be well on his radar now, Chris? Well, I, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, one would have to talk with uh, you know, Richard and, and um, you know Mrs T and, and, um, and Willie and, and um, 
you know, but it certainly gives a, a, an extra string to the bow. It's very exciting. I mean, to have, you know, Aplutar and to have won Gold Cup at Tottenham was, was, you know, just a dream come true. I know that David Thompson's two of his wishes was to win the Grand National, which he did with party politics, and, and to win the Gold Cup um, with regard to, you know, the National Hunt adventure. And, and um, it's, it's, it's great. So, yes. Um, much to enjoy, to, to consider, and to be thinking about and, and dreaming about um, as we move into uh, the flat season, which is obviously uh, a little bit more um, sort of up my street, but it is um, a bit exciting to, to, to finish on such a high. Well, if, if you told me I was speaking to Chris Richardson, what are we, four days before the 1,000 guineas, I'd have thought I was speaking about a different horse, but there we are, such is life, you know, the, the highs and the lows of racing. How is Inspiral? No, no, she's she's absolutely, um, you know, she's absolutely fine. I mean, basically, uh, you know, when you know a trainer like John Goldston, you know, expresses um, a slight concern over the fact that you know she had a, you know, has missed um, a couple of pieces of work, and and we had hoped um, to have a racecourse gallop, and that wasn't to be, and that, you know, it, it it just didn't seem fair on on anybody really going to. Um, you know, the Guineas, uh, such a special occasion, uh, you know, a classic 80% fit. Um, you know, it's a long, long season ahead. There are all sorts of exciting races for her, you know, over a mile and potentially over a bit further. Um, so uh, the plan is, is obviously to, to target um, the Coronation Stakes at, at Royal Ascot, where we've been uh, fortunate in the past um, and uh, may well be um, a race uh, between now and then. Uh, perhaps the Heron Stakes might be uh, an opportunity just to get her on the track and, and, and sort of, uh, you know, give her a bit of a give her a bit of a blow and and, um, and, and set her up for the, for, for the Royal Meeting. Right, the Cigaro Stakes, turning our attention to the flat, the Longines Cigaro Stakes was won by Princess Zoe. It wasn't without its controversy, though, Rishi. Uh, I'll just read you the, the stewards' report. An inquiry was held, unsurprisingly, to consider the placings in the race after the interference. It was uh, suffered by enemy at the hands of Princess Zoe. The stewards considered that the interference had not improved Princess Zoe's placing as the filly appeared to be holding the gelding and the stewards could not be satisfied that the loss of momentum because of the interference was more than half a length enemy was beaten by and thereafter appeared to make no ground on Princess Zoe. Joey Sheridan was suspended for four days for careless riding as he allowed his mount to drift right-handed for several strides without sufficient correction, causing Buick to become short of room on the inside rail. Rishi, was it clever race riding from Joey Sheridan or was it dangerous riding? Um, I, I wouldn't say it was clever race riding, uh, and I don't think I'd go as far to say it was dangerous. I'd say it was careless, um, because once Enemy got to the girth of uh, Princess Zoe, Jerry Sheridan must have known that uh, Enemy and William Buick were in the position that they were, yet he continued to allow his horse to ease over to the, to the inside rail, and in the end, there was very, very little room for William Buick and Enemy. So... I understand why he has picked up a ban for that. Um, I also understand the stewards' assertion that Enemy wasn't really making any ground. Once he, he, he had a bit of room, I don't think, and I know there was only a very short space of time in which to make that assertion, but it wasn't as if Enemy was, was really closing back in on her again. The only concern I have in the whole decision-making process is the fact that Enemy's only been beaten uh, a neck by Quickthorn for second. And would he have finished second without that interference? I think so. Uh, so it's, it's, it's debatable whether you know, his, his placing has, has been affected. 
by the interference. It's a real minefield, this, because a lot of people, you know, if you look through people discussing it on social media, et cetera, they're relating the race that we saw at Sandan in the Bet365 Gold Cup with Kitty's Light and then Rillo and Potterman and how that all played out and trying to, to play that scenario as a precedent in coming to the conclusion about this race. I guess the difference between that race and this Cigarro stakes is the fact that I think Kitty's Light would probably have won the race without the interference. I don't think Enemy would have won the race without the interference. That's the only uh, correlation that I can draw and the difference between the two incidents that I can say, well, I can understand why the students have left Princess Zoe as the winner. But in the end, Enemy was hard done by and hasn't made uh, and hasn't hasn't got any compensation whatsoever in the determination of the eventual result. Yeah, I, by and large, I, I agree with all of that. Um, I, I I thought it was one of the rare instances actually where the the side on looked worse than the head on. Um, yeah, it became clear that well, I think two things became clear that Joey Sheridan it looked as though intentionally um, aimed his mount to get back towards the rail uh, and to ensure that enemy couldn't get up there, although there was room yeah. to do so. Um, and as, as the rules stand, I can understand absolutely why, why um, no change was made. I wonder had enemy finished second, whether the stewards might have said, well, look, there was enough yeah. there um, to, to promote the horse. But I think some might look at it and say, well, you know, hang on, the, the stewards have said, he allowed his mount to drift right. I don't think he allowed it. I think he intentionally did drift right. Um, whether yeah. or not we should be half encouraging that sort of, you know, clever race riding or whether yeah. perhaps like other jurisdictions, we should just try and avoid it at all costs. But where we are at the moment, I, I thought they, they probably arrived at the right decision for all somewhere. Uh, somewhere. I think so. I, I just wondered, Tom, if, if you took if you took the, the run of Quickthorn out of the race, imagine Quickthorn didn't exist and the race was run and Princess Zoe uh, quickened up and Enemy went for the run down on the inside and finished second, beating that sort of distance, would you have still come to the same conclusion? No, I think conversely, I probably would have, and I know this sounds, this sounds um, as though it doesn't quite make sense, but I think, I think I would have felt more comfortable with Enemy getting the race than enemy being promoted to second, Princess mm. Zoe demoted to third, and Quickthorn winning the race, if that makes sense. Yes, and that's why I think I, I, it makes sense, because it, it's such a confusing aspect of it, the fact that you've got a horse, Quickthorn obviously did take part in the race, and the whole combination of sequence of events that has led to the decision, it, it, it's such a minefield to... Because you're, you're making quite a few assumptions about outcomes without knowing for certain and in the end it seemed as if the easiest thing to do was to leave it as it is um, well done anyway to, to princess so he had, has had um quite the the last 12 months or so given where she's been yeah. a, a good battling performance nonetheless right we we move on mm. all, we are going to Head to Watership Down Stud for a continuation of our feature there with Nick talking to Terry Doherty, to Connor Chapman and to Simon Marsh. So I'm, I'm out in the paddock nearest to the yard here at uh, Watership Down with, with Connor who's, who's holding a mare called Earring and Earring has at foot a rather uh, beautiful foal by Too Darn Hot. Now, I, I think he's got a look... She, it's a she, it's a filly, isn't it? Yeah. 
I think she's got a bit of a, a look of too darn hot, but maybe maybe that's just wishful thinking. What do you think? No, I think he's definitely stamping them. She's got that touch of quality that I think we're seeing coming in that stock, and she looks powerful and she looks she looks fast. But Simon is watching me, so I think I have to say that. And she's she was born third of April, so she's only two and a half weeks old. Yep. No, she's doing everything exactly as we want her to do. She's going the right way, and you don't interfere with these ones. You just let them come along. Okay, so what do you want to see in terms of their their sort of confirmation, their shape, their outlook, even at this very early stage? What are you looking for? The most important thing at an early age in terms of confirmation is you actually want them to toe out just a little bit. As they grow and develop and fill out, their chest is going to come round. That's going to bring those toes right around. You don't want them gun barrel straight right now. Um, well, otherwise, they'll then be a bit pigeon-toed yeah, in as time. As chest comes round, they'll, they'll come in. Um, you want to see a bit of strength in them. You want to see them getting... You're not filling out. At the same time, I don't want them too strong on top. Because again, these are small developing limbs and joints. So I don't want too much weight on top of these running around paddocks and fields and then putting pressure on those joints. I'd like them to carry a nice bit of condition. I don't want them too heavy. They're not racehorses today. I don't, I don't need these looking, you know, being too heavy and strong and looking like athletes today. Right, can, you, can you envisage in your mind's eye, if you shut your eye, look at her and shut your eye, can you imagine what she'll look like when she's walking through a... Well, she probably won't go through a sales ring as a yearling, but if you were to go through a sales ring as a yearling, can you imagine what she'd look like? That's definitely what we try to do. Yeah. Um, this filly here, I think, she, I think she'll be an eye catcher. I think she'll be tall. I think she'll be strong on top. She's already shown she's got a good walk. She's what I call a second look horse, one of those horses. If you didn't know about it in a walk past you, you turn around and you look at it twice. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what she's going to be. And that's what we try to do. We, we try to imagine what we have and then work our way backwards from there and try to mould them into that and we adapt and do what we need as that as they grow and develop as they come along um uh, simon what's the what's the pedigree like here what's the uh, earring is the, the dam earring, uh, the dam is uh, is actually kumal mare called together um and um she's a dan silly mare and uh, we bought her about three or four years ago um she's got a her first foals a Philly by the Vega called Peace Offering, who's actually in training in the south of France, uh, with a man called Philip Scorb, mm-hmm. and um, was second just recently. Um, will win, and she's got a uh, very nice um, uh, Kingman um, that um, is going to Mark Todd, and um, she's got a Lope de Vega Philly yearling, which will probably go to the sales. Okay, uh, Terry. I, uh, She's obviously had her filly uh, 3rd of April. We're now, as we're doing recording this, what are we, the 25th of April? So when will this mare be covered again? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. She gets covered tomorrow. Okay. Uh, In fact, she leaves here at um, just just about 9.30 tonight for a midnight cover. Uh, We'll be back here by 3 o'clock. So her midnight assignation is with a, with the same partner, with Too Darn Hot too again? Too Darn Hot, yes. Well, you look at that and you've got to say, well, she's definitely worth another punt at Too Darn Hot. It's a really nice, strong filly. She's a good, short, strong couple mare. She suits him. Do you... I mean, what's the what's the thinking behind covering at that time of day? Is it... it, it it's just a, a, a slot for the stallion. The mm. stallion will have three to four mares to cover a day at this time of year. They're very full. He'll start at 6am yeah. and he'll go through and his last cover will be 12. Because he needs time for he his time, sperm yeah, to recover, exactly. basically. He needs time to recover. Um, unfortunately, you, when you phone the, uh, the stallion farm, it's, it's um, a queue-up system. 
and so if you phone up at 10 o'clock in the morning you may get a 12 a.m cover if you phone up at two o'clock in the afternoon you will definitely get a midnight cover well if, we, if we you really got the short straw yeah well if you're not getting any special favors from two darn hot there's no no hope for the rest of us simon marsh well we're very lucky that we can get a lot of mares into two darn hot so i think we'll take it at that <laughs> Well, you've got one here and a beautiful filly foal as well um, out of this mare earring. And uh, hopefully she, uh, she takes when she's covered again tomorrow night because she's got a belter. I mean, just, I mean, interestingly with her and, and with the progeny of Too Darn Hot, they're all bay. He's a pure breeding bay. He's never had a chestnut. And they're very, very little white on them. And you can see this filly. She's got a tiny little bit of white on one hoof, but otherwise... She's got no white on her at all. And it's very typical of him as a sire. Right, we're staying with Nick. And we all know that he's a puncher's town. He has done a lovely piece on horses helping offender rehabilitation. Here he is. Well, we've talked quite extensively on the podcast about the beneficial effect on horses for physical and mental health. Now, this is really beginning to come to fruition in a, a groundbreaking partnership, at least in this part of the world anyway, between the Irish Prison Service and the Irish Horse Racing Fraternity. I'm joined here at Punchestown on day two by Robert Hall, who you'll know best as the presenter for many years of, of RTE's horse racing coverage. And Robert, this is something that you're applying yourself to and, and, and volunteering for, and it's, a, it's rehabilitating, effectively, um, uh, offenders. It, it's, it, it's, it's a win-win-win-win situation, I think, because we know that the horse uh, develops uh, compassion with people. We are introducing uh, the horse into the prison rehab system and they've had wonderful results in America and Australia uh, a lack of reoffending, but it's never been done in this park before. Jonathan Irwin visited America back in the late 70s and he went to one of these correctional institutions and um, saw the results wrote to successive ministers for justice and it wasn't until Frances Fitzgerald about seven years, six years ago uh, when she was minister she said tell me more and she went with it and uh, we've built this uh, 10 stable American barn and a 50 by 50 meter all weather and we have turnout paddocks. We have eight horses there. Um, seven of them are thoroughbreds. We have a pony as well. The prisoners do a 12 week uh, course there. They learn all uh, aspects of responsible horse ownership and that is everything from feeding to grooming to rug tack um, pasture management, uh, hoof care, this and that and the other. Uh, and I mean we actually started it in October, and before Christmas, the governor said, he said, one of these guys is transformational. We've now had three groups of prisoners through. They absolutely love it. Uh, they all want to work with horses once they are released. And I think we can benefit. Obviously, it's wonderful for the horses because we have another opportunity for them when, once the racing days are over. Seven of the horses, as I think I said, are thoroughbreds. Uh, if we can re reduce reoffending, that is the bottom line, really. Uh, and I think we'll, you know, we can put Castlery on the map, and it'll it, it'll be wonderful for everybody. And it's all uh, voluntary donations from everybody. Yes, I was it, going to ask how it was funded. It's entirely voluntary, and all the work and time that you and others are putting into it completely voluntary. Totally voluntary. It's a labour of love, but I love the labour. Uh, and it's fun, and, and uh, you, you see the results. Talking to the prisoners, they're all terribly, terribly positive about it. There's a queue of people, queue of prisoners who want to get involved. And 
people are saying, will we do the same in other prisons? But what will happen is that the prisoners will come to Castle Reed to do this and, and hopefully develop this compassion through the horse and then go on once they're released uh, to get work with horses. Robert, thank you so much for telling me about it. Uh, and I, I really hope that listeners around the world will pick up the baton and perhaps we'll see something similar in the, in the UK and elsewhere. Nick, it's an absolute pleasure and I want you to come and visit it as well. I, I, I'll get such pleasure from bringing you. Robert, thank you. Thank you. Uh, right, this afternoon sees the Goss sale at Punchestown. Um, back for the first time properly in, in a couple of years because of the, the pandemic scuppering it last year or, or not going ahead as, as normal. But um, people are back and I'm sure lots of good lots for everyone to be excited about. Nick Nugent joins me uh, from Goffs now. Nick, give, give me some highlights. What, what can people expect to see at the sale this year? Yeah, well, good morning, Tom. No, we're, we're, it's great to be back at Punchestown. We have a sale after racing. We have 21 lots in the catalogue. They're all four- and five-year-olds. They're all horses who've performed in pint to pints. Most of them have won their pint to pints that have run in them, and a few are bumper horses as well, including the winner of the Goss Landover bumper on Tuesdays in it, um, a late edition. It's an exciting sale. It's, it's, it's a traditionally a sale that sends horses on to compete at the highest level for some of the biggest trainers and our flagship horse is none other than Honey Tucker who was sold a few years ago at this sale, having won her fight fight and she was bought for €110,000 by Peter Maloney on behalf of Kenny Alexander and the rest is history. Mm, what a good good buy that turned out to be. Nick, uh, 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 this type of horse, do you think, are they uh, as popular as ever, more popular than ever now? Yeah, well, National Hunt Racing is in a fortunate position that a lot of them um, you know, very benevolent investors are, are buying national hunt horses for a high price of money. And, and needless to say, the margin of error is greatly reduced if you can buy a horse that has already raced. You pay more for it, but you reduce your, your margin of error. So there's an awful lot to be said, the success of point-to-point sales. We're not the only people selling point-to-point sales. Goss is a group seller number. Our competitors sell horses at this level of the market. But these boutique sales... And the Pontchastan sale, funny enough, is the original boutique sale held in a winner's enclosure after racing. They, they, have, they have, you know, reaped rich dividends for the people who've invested in them. Yeah, and they work, don't they? The, the idea of, of, of people, you know, sticking around after racing to, to, to buy horses. I, I don't know if it was a certainty that that was going to work, but, but here we are talking about some, some seriously good horses that have come out of these sales. Well, it's an obvious thing, you know, you go to any major racing, I mean, you go to Cheltenham in England, or you go to Punchestown here in London, they have these enormous shopping villages for people to go shopping on a race day. So, I mean, if you can buy a, a rocking horse, or a picture of a horse, or a scarf with a horse on it, I mean, you go to Cheltenham and buy a kimono or a caftan, so why not buy a race horse, which is really the relevant piece of merchandise, you know, relevant to the event that you're attending. Uh, Nick, any, any specific lots that you're looking forward to seeing? I'm looking forward to a number of the lots. Obviously, the Lambert bumper winner is good. I think, uh, interestingly, I think there's a very good filly, not 14, uh, called Jenny Wise. She won for Colin Bow at the weekend. She looks to be a really high-class filly. And coincidentally, she has the same lot number that Honeysuckle had, which is lot 14. Mm. And she could be the best mare we've offered since Honeysuckle. And I'm an Arsenal fan, Tom, and I know, I think I'm like in saying you're a Spurs fan. So you'll appreciate this, that lot 6 is a very nice uh, horse by Fleming's first who won uh, on his debut at Curramore the other day for Matthew Flynn O'Connor, and he goes by the wonderful name of Laguna, so hopefully he'll appeal to a, an Arsenal fan with deep pockets. Yeah, uh, forgive me for saying this, and, and, and if the, the consigner of the Guna is listening, forgive me, but I, I of course hope that the Guna doesn't make the top four lots, Nick. 
Well, I think that's, that's <laughs> to be expected. And grudgery is all part of it. But luckily, some of the uh, the uh, the people tomorrow will hopefully prove you wrong and me right. I think Guna has a good chance of being one of the top four lots, both uh, in Punchestown tomorrow and at the end of the football season as well. Uh, I, I I fear you're right, Nick. Um, great to chat. Um, good luck with it all, and thanks for your time. Well, thank you. See you there later, Tom. Thank you very much. Create your outdoor living moments with Maze. Shop online at mazeliving.co.uk. All right, now this week we've been going down Guinea's memory lane with Maze Living. We'll be doing so again tomorrow. We're just going to take a, a little pause away from that and just have a little look ahead to the Kentucky Derby, which isn't too far away. Uh, This is from the In The Money Media podcast, strong supporters of the Nick Luck Daily. Here is Brad Cox talking about his Kentucky Derby contender, Zozos. Let's talk about Zozos, your third runner in the race. What he lacks in experience, he certainly seems to make up for in talent. Um, Big question, when I look at Zozos, years ago on the 10-strike pot, I remember you telling me that... At the sale, you're much more apt to look for a horse, Brent to go a mile, Brent to go a mile on the 16th, and try to get them to go the mile and a quarter on training. When I look at Zozos's pedigree, personally, I see a horse that, you know, maybe wants to go a mile, but maybe he wants to go seven furlongs. But you look at his form, and it's something very different. Obviously, the distance agrees with him. But at what point did you have the idea this was a horse that was going to stretch out? The first time I run him, and he didn't run as well at when he didn't run as well first time out as I thought he would. And that's the honest truth. I thought this horse was, I, I, don't, I don't really know. I mean, he won. It, but I know, I know. But when you watch the replay, <laughs> he's on his left lead. He's kind of doing it. And honestly, um, I can't think of the name of the horse um, uh, that, that, that that Sean Parker, I think, rode for Steve Asmussen that day. That horse kind of almost, he, he kind of dropped in a little bit, and I'm not so sure if that horse continues on straight, he probably wins the race. And it was almost as if we just kind of fell into a win there. And, and you know, obviously things would be a lot different um, if we, we hadn't broke our maiden. Uh, yeah, I, I was a little taken back when, when, he, when he didn't run maybe a little faster or better first time out. He raced a little green, and then we stretched him out, and it's like, okay, well – there you go. That's the horse we thought we had, and he he liked he 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 liked the two turns. Um, he's able to put himself up in the race, but he's a talented horse. He's very talented. He's a, he's a very strong horse, and you know, based off of physical standpoint, you know, Nick's go taught me a lot because Nick's go didn't necessarily look like a horse that was wanting to go much much more than a mile based off his physical either. I mean, he was a you know not not the biggest horse in the world. Carried a lot of weight, heavy muscle muscular horse that you know obviously he got a little older that most of these stallions or colts put on weight they put on muscle uh but he he's he's a very good looking colt like you said you may not walk up to him and think wow he's screaming a mile and a quarter but you know he does have speed and he definitely can carry it around two turns i thought his louisiana derby was a big run at maze we understand how important our outdoor spaces are that's why we've developed luxury outdoor furniture collections to suit all homes Browse our range at mazeliving.co.uk. Okay, Richie, two things I'd like from you. Well, two mm-hmm. One, of course. For, one for this. I'm very impressed at your the, the, that you've spoken about horse racing so fluently, given that you're you're at the snooker. Um, so who's, <laughs> who's going to win the snooker? Uh, Ronnie O'Sullivan. He is. He, I, I think he's been 
in tremendous form. I, <laughs> if he's playing at his best, I don't think anyone can beat him. Okay. And have you got a, a horse racing tip for us? Uh, a horse racing tip? Well, boring, because I'm really concentrating on the guineas this weekend. And as the two races, obviously, I, I think Native Trail is a superstar. and I think he'll win the 2,000 guineas. Uh, but in the 1,000 guineas, I like Malavath of uh, Francis Greffard. I like the way that she's, she was campaigned last year, where she got better and better with every run. She ended up running a really good second in America. She's had a prep run. She beat Zelly that day. Uh, and again, like the way she travels through her races, I don't think ground is an issue for her. Um, she's an uncomplicated filly, I think. And I expect her to run a, a very big race. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty confident about her winning, actually. Well, I, listen, I don't think that was a I think that was boring at all. I think your Ronnie O'Sullivan tip, tipping the, the favourite, was boring. But Malabath, not so. Oh, it's not that boring because he, he could end up equaling Stephen Hendry's record on Monday night. So boring in the sense that it's a short price. But how exciting to see history made. Oh, see, always unearthing the story. <laughs> Love it. Um, good stuff. Enjoy. Rishi, thank you very much indeed. Thanks to everyone Pleasure, for listening. Nick will be back with you tomorrow, Friday, with Lydia Hislop alongside. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.